Good morning, good morning, good morning, good morning, Diverse City Church. This is Pastor James coming to you for our third week of a virtual experience. I pray that you're having a blessed week. I pray that you're having a prosperous week. And most of all, during this time, I pray that you're having a safe week. So before we get in the word, just want to give you a few announcements. Um, number one, as we said last week, we want you to continue to come to the community center. Um, we're willing to feed kids and your entire family during this time, during the 8 a.m. to 12 p.m. period. Um, no student IDs required. The meals are available daily, so there's no conditions, no judgment, just love. You can come out every day, Monday through Friday. Actually, according to the United Way, they would love for you to be here every day. So as the needs continue to come, we're able to continue to be a distribution center right here. So I would love to see you on Monday. Be here, get your food, and enjoy and be able to have a meal as we provide support and assistance to you and your family. Second, this Wednesday, put this Wednesday in the comments, is our communion celebration. We're going to do this virtual style on Zoom. This is a BYOB event. We want you to bring your own bread and bring your own beverage. No, no wine. Let's go for sparkling grape juice punch, whatever you need to do, even if it's Kool-Aid, I don't care, get your crackers, get your bread, whatever you would like to do to honor and sacrifice. I will be leading this discussion for us to go through communion. We'll have a time, an intimate time together from our comforts of our home. And then following communion, um, if there's any questions or comments that you would like to have, um, me and my wife would definitely be willing to stay online to be able to discuss with you during this time. So without further ado, I want you to get your Bible, stand to your feet, and locate Mark chapter 11, verse 2. Again, we're looking for Mark chapter 11, verse 2. Stand to your feet. We're going to read God's word. And after we read the word, we're going to pray. And then you are able to remain standing. Or you can sit down, whatever you decide to do. But our goal is to continue to remain focused as we share God's word. All right, so here we go. One, two, three, ready, read. Saying to them, go to the village ahead of you, and just as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever written. Untie it and bring it here. So the focus of this message, we're turning our attention with our 2020 focus and going to look at Passion Week on a Palm Sunday. Our goal today is to learn lessons and principles from the life and the perspective of a donkey. Because if God can use a donkey, he can use you. So many of us, as we've gone through our, our Sunday Bible school and we try to learn about not only just Easter, but the resurrection, we're taking the time right now to be able to pause to reflect on Passion Week. So Passion Week starts today with Palm Sunday, and it goes through the Resurrection Sunday. Now, this narrative right here, 
I would argue, is the most important week in the entire Bible. It's covered in all four Gospels, and on average, about one-third of each of the Gospels is dedicated to this week because it's that important for our life. So when, when we look at the setting and where we are during this passage, we're, we're past Jesus turning water into wine. We're past Jesus feeding the multitude. We're past most of the periods where Jesus is teaching, preaching, healing those. But now we're at the period of Jesus' life where he's getting ready to prepare himself for his greatest work. Palm Sunday kicks off the beginning of the end of Jesus' work on earth. So Palm Sunday, how did it start? What is the origination process of this whole time period? It goes all the way back to Exodus. Three times a year after, after the children of Israel was delivered out of the hand of Pharaoh, it was a mandatory requirement on Passover on Pentecost, and on the Feast of Tabernacles for the Jews to travel back to Jerusalem to observe this festival. So the Passover, as we think about it in Exodus, the children of God are in bondage. They're in the captivity of Pharaoh, and God uses Moses to go and challenge and approach the king of Egypt during this time with the famous line, let my people go. And of course, as we all know, the Pharaoh's heart is hardened and God begins to use Moses and facilitate not one, not two, not three, but 10 plagues to be able to allow Egypt and all of their oppressors to let the children of God go. Now, specifically on the last plague, it starts with a fatal night that was brought upon God's people. God says, I want each of the family of my people to go out and to find a spotless lamb that's, and will take it and will be able to sacrifice it, use the blood, and mark it over the doorposts of their home. And when I pass through at night, if the blood is on your door, your home will be saved. Your home will be protected. And as we see and we read from Exodus 6, going all the way through Exodus 12, so on and so forth, that the people of Egypt, their firstborn in every household, have all died. The heir to the throne, from the least of those to the greatest of those have all died, and every home of the children of Israel that followed God's instructions survived. And this practice of bringing a lamb into their home is something that remained year in and year out. As a matter of fact, it still goes on today for the Orthodox Jews. Now, this is just not grab a lamb, bring it into your home, and just kill it. But what, what happens is, if you look at the customs, there was a practice is you would, the father would go out, he would get a lamb, and he would bring it home. And they would name the lamb. 
They would build a relationship with the lamb. They would feed it. They would play with it. They would go outside. The children would be able to enjoy it. And because their relationship over time and that commitment and that attachment, now after four days, they're able to make a sacrifice. So after the four days, the father would take the lamb, go outside, make the sacrifice on the behalf of the children of Israel. And as they made this sacrifice, this was a sign and symbolism of the covenant of the lamb being able to cover the sins of his people. Now, we know Jesus, moving forward to a thousand years, that Jesus is not, he didn't just come to cover our sin, but he came to take away our sin. So as we move into Palm Sunday and looking at Passion Week, we get to get an understanding of the commitment of the sacrifice and the importance of Jesus Christ being introduced to the world as he's making his journey to the cross. So before Palm Sunday starts, if you can go with me to John chapter 12, we're going to read from verse 1 through 3. It says, six days before the Passover, Jesus came to Bethany, where Lazarus lived, whom Jesus raised from the dead. Here at dinner was given Jesus honor. Martha served while Lazarus was among those reclining at the table. So as we know, a few chapters before, Jesus has raised Lazarus from the dead. And of course, if you raise somebody from the dead, when they come to your house, you deserve it should be your, at least of your gratitude to be able to have a party. So Jesus comes back. They're having a party. They're bringing out the cornbread. They're bringing out the broccoli. They're bringing about the steak. They're bringing about that whole five-course meal to be able to celebrate this moment and the life and the resurrection of Lazarus. But then when I like verse number three, then Martha took about a pint of pure nard and an expensive perfume, and she poured it on the feet and wiped. She poured it on Jesus' feet, and she wiped it with her hair. And the house was filled with fragrance of the perfume. So Mary is tapped into something different. Others are celebrating. They're excited to be able to have Jesus in the house. The celebration is going on. And Mary says, it's time to worship. Mary has been given revelation of what's ahead. And it goes on and talks about the disciples. They started to complain and say, why would you use this most expensive perfume and waste it on Jesus' feet? Why would you take this when we can use it and barter it and go and feed thousands? And Jesus goes on and say in verse number eight, the poor you will have with you always. So Jesus right now, he's had the perfume poured upon him. And historically, every time Jesus shows up into places, he's, wanting, he's willing to stay away from the crowd. When he heals somebody, he tells them, shh, don't tell anybody, receive your blessing, your sins are forgiven, go in peace. 
but then as we move, I'm not going to have time to go through it in verse number 9 and, and all the way through verse number 11. The crowds are hearing that Jesus is at Lazarus' house. So as the crowds begin to come, everybody's on their way to Jerusalem. And Jesus, in this moment, is taking it all in about what he's getting ready to do on my behalf and on your behalf. So as we move to Mark chapter 11, where we first started, here's the first lesson as we think about the life of a donkey. Because to be honest, all of us act like a donkey from time to time. Please stay away from the King James Version. You'll get that later. So in verse number two, go back to verse number two, saying to them, go to the village ahead of you, and you will find a colt tied there, which no one has written ever before. Untie it and bring it here. Point number one, life of a donkey. Jesus knows where to find you. He doesn't care if you stay in South City. He doesn't care if you stay in North City. He doesn't care if you stay in Clayton or Fenton. He knows your longitude. He knows your latitude. And he knows exactly where you are. When it is your time to be untied, when it's your time to be loosed from the bondages of your life, Jesus says, I see you. Come on over here. I got a purpose for you. Come on over here. I got a plan for you. Come on over here. Because many of us right now, when we look at everything that we're going through, you have a, you've probably had a moment this week and said, man, I feel tied up. 14 days of quarantine, and now we got to go 30 more. And if you look at other projections, it's showing maybe even 200 more days. And you say, Lord, I'm tied up. I'm tied up of potential. I'm tied up of promise. I'm tied up of destiny. And I'm sitting here tied up. Or you're looking at your bank account and you say, man, my finances are tied up. Your heart, your mind is all over the place and it feels tied up. Or you feel tied up and you're alone and you're feeling this distance and our extroverts are going crazy and our introverts are like, yay! And Jesus is saying, I come to untie you. Jesus is saying, he wants to come and untie your potential. He wants to come and find the people that are tied up and that needs to be loosed from the things that have been holding their back. The things and the time that they feel is wasted. Movement over here, movement over there. And God is saying, I have not forgotten about you because Jesus has come. And it's consistent through all scripture from Genesis to Revelations. Number one, he wants relationship. And number two, he's come to set us free. Now, here's one of my prayers I had on Tuesday. I had to apologize to 2019 for all the bad stuff I said 
I was like, 2019, I can't stand you. I can't wait to leave you in my past. 2020 going to treat me so much better. Mm-hmm. Yes, it is. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. And many of us have experienced, just like me, March has probably been the longest month of your life. And you thought on Wednesday you would wake up and say, April Fool's Day, coronavirus is gone, we can all just move forward. But 2020, right now, while you feel tied up, Jesus sees what you're going through. Jesus sees what you're experiencing. And we have to be able to allow Jesus to come and set us free. So when you get to verse number three and four, we see here it says, if anyone asks you, and he's talking to his disciples, why are you doing this? Say, the Lord needs it. And we'll send it back here shortly. And then in verse number four, it says, they went and found the coat outside in the street, tied at the doorway as they untied it. So point number two, lessons from a donkey. God chooses the unqualified to carry his most prized possessions. Oh, that was good. Let me say it again. God chooses the most unqualified, the most imperfect, the most ratchet people on planet Earth in St. Louis to carry his most prized possessions. See, Jesus picked a donkey that did not have any experience. Jesus was not looking for the candidate that had the best resume. No degree, no bank account, no church experience. But here's the kicker. Sometimes when we want the blessing, it may be packaged in a burden. Jesus went to get the donkey that was untied, but as it moves to verse number seven, it talks about Jesus having to sit on the donkey. We love to fellowship. We love to have a relationship with God, but many of us do not want Jesus to sit on us. Jesus, you're slowing me down. Jesus, I got things to do. Jesus, I got places to go. In this quarantine period, It's the only opportunity Jesus has been able to speak into your life because you've been busy going here. You've been busy going over there. You've been doubled, tripled all over your calendar. And Jesus is saying, I want to ride you into your destiny, but you got to allow me to sit on you. And we say, why a donkey? Now, if Jesus, if I was Jesus and I'm being ready and about to go into town and be paraded as the king of kings and lords of lords, I don't want a donkey. You would pick a horse, a big horse, a white stallion, right? Clean, white as snow. But Jesus is saying, I will use the weak things to conform the wise. He said, I want a donkey. Because a donkey, um, one of the terms that's related to it is the burden of blessing. A donkey, 
that's willing to get low, a donkey that is willing to stay submissive because this was prophesied over 500 years ago in Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9, and also Daniel chapter 9 and verse 24 through 27. I don't have time. We roll in. Go back and read it this week while you have a little bit of free time. But this was prophesied that the king of glory, our savior, our righteous one, the anointed one, was not coming in on the horse. That happens in Revelations chapter 19 when Jesus is coming back and taking us as our bride. But for him to be the lamb of God, he's coming in on a donkey. So are we willing to allow Jesus to ride on you, to make it to your destination, to get to your purpose, so you will stop wasting time, so you will stop wasting money, so you will stop trying to please people and things that really doesn't matter. Matter of fact, when you continue to indulge in those type behaviors, when Jesus has given you an opportunity to be set free, if you continue down that path, it's going to get you tied up again. Second Corinthians chapter four, verse seven, go ahead and locate it. Second Corinthians chapter four, verse seven, and we're going to read it from the new living translation. IT team, go ahead and put that on the screen. So it says, we now have this light shining in our hearts, but we ourselves are like fragile clay jars containing what? This great treasure. This makes it clear that our great power is from God and not from ourselves. So Jesus is saying he wants to be He wants us to be a clay vessel, and he wants to allow his power to be able to work in us. And while we feel like a donkey, while we feel insignificant, Jesus is saying, I trust you. Jesus is saying this power is so strong. It's the same power that raised me from the dead. It's the same power that resides on the inside of me, that resides on the inside of you, whether you're in the marketplace or in ministry, or if you're at home just raising kids, whatever your situation, say it with me. I got power on the inside of me. Say it again. I got power on the inside of me. And now I know when we look at all of our mistakes, Everything that has gone on in our life, we can be like Psalms chapter 8. What is man that I am mindful of you? And we look at our lives and say, why would Jesus use me? Or in Isaiah, when God is calling him to be a mouthpiece to declare his kingdom and glory, Isaiah says, I am a man of unclean lips. How could you use me? And God is saying, I'm not worried about what happens or how you look on the outside or with the things that you have done in your past. God is a God of forward. God is a God of progression. And we have to allow him to ride us to our purpose. Mark chapter 11, verse 8. 
and 9. And so now Jesus has sat on a donkey. And now it's time to take our red carpet ride. Many people spread their cloaks on the road, while others spread branches and they had cut in the fields. Those who went ahead and those who followed shouted, Hosanna, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Verse number 10, blessed is the coming kingdom, our father David. Hosanna in the highest heaven. So there's a few things here that goes all the way back to the New Testament. Number one, palm branches represents salvation and joy. So as they, they're taking their spots and lining up and giving praise and honor to Jesus, this waving of salvation, the waving of, the pro, of, of their palm branches, of them pleading before God that victory is coming that through him we can do great and mighty works. And they begin to say, Hosanna, 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 Hosanna. They're fully engaged in their worship. They're fully engaged in their adoration of who Jesus is. Hosanna, it's a declaration of praise. It is a request. Matter of fact, it's a demand for salvation. When you look up that word in the Hebrew, Hosanna, it speaks of deliverer. It speaks of saving. Matter of fact, if you study it in the Greek, it says, please deliver us. There's a desperation here. There's a hunger here to be able to cry out before Jesus and ask for him to help his people. Now, remember, we are the donkeys. So as Jesus is coming and he's taking his red carpet walk, we have to be careful as the donkey that we do not allow it to get to our head. So as people are praising on the left and people are praising on the right, they're not praising the donkey. Yes, Jesus is on your back. He hurts. He's a little bit heavy. And he's just riding, and you're doing all the work right now. But the glory and the honor and the salvation through others as Jesus uses during this time to be evangelist, to minister, to put on our shoes and share forth the gospel, the glory's not mine. The glory's not yours, but the glory goes to him. So we have to make sure that we do not allow the praise, the adoration, the accolades as others see us step into our promise, step into our destiny, be able to thrive in the middle of this pandemic, that we do not allow it to get caught up in our head and we think that we've done something. But the glory, the honor, and the praise goes to him. Amen, 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 amen. So that means we're not a big deal. That means we need to fall back a little bit. That means when you think you've done something and, you're, and God has been using you to do great and mighty works, you need to chill, take a deep breath, and understand that he deserves the glory. 1 Peter chapter 2 and verse 24 in the New Living Translation. Here's point number three. 
It says, he personally carried our sins in his body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. But his wounds, by his wounds, you are healed. So what are the areas in your life today, right now, that are fractured, that are broken, and you're asking for Jesus to pick up the pieces. And he's saying, I can heal your mind. And he's saying, I can heal your heart. Matter of fact, he can heal our body. And our God is able to heal you from the coronavirus. So while we look at us, the burden of carrying and representing Christ's name, number three, God is the one doing the heavy lifting. This makes me think about our family going grocery shopping. Now, my wife, she loves to go grocery shopping. That is her escape from her crazy husband and all of her wonderful, blessed kids. Now, we kind of have a rule in place. It's like an unofficial rule. We've talked about it before, but it's something I've just had to fall in line with over time. And basically, She goes to the store, she takes her time, we agree upon a grocery list, but then when she comes home, she calls me and say, come get the groceries. So as we get home, I go outside, get my shoes on, and my boy David, he loves to come and help me with the groceries. So we go outside and I get my bags, I got maybe four, five, six, ten bags, and I begin to carry, and then I prepare a bag for my son to carry. Now with him, he's only allowed to carry plates, cups, plastic stuff, paper towels, and toilet paper. And those are the only things that he's able to carry because he can't handle the same weight that I can. Now, as we go from one load to the next load, taking it in the house, coming back out, taking it in the house, coming back out, sometimes my son will tell me, give me more. So during those times, I may load a few other things in there that may be heavy for him. So I was thinking about last week when we went to the grocery store. He did this, and I gave him something that was a little bit heavy. And he got a few steps up close to the door, and he said, Daddy, Daddy, I need help. Just like a good father, I ran over there, and I said, Son, put him on my pinky. I'll take it the rest of the way. Now, many of us, when we look at our lives and the things that we have to carry This is the time for you to release, for you to drop the things that you shouldn't be carrying. Matter of fact, if it feels too heavy for you, you need to call on Daddy Jesus. He's willing to come and do the heavy-duty lifting for you in your life. So I challenge you to be able to look and see and cross-examine Are you trying to carry things that you need to let go of? Or is God having you 
carry a few things right now for you to get stronger, for you to get wiser, for you to get better, for you to stay home and save a little bit of money. So examine where you are in your life. Examine the burdens that you're experiencing. Matthew 11, verse 28, we all know this. Come to me, call out to me, yell my name, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. I will carry the bag for you. I will make sure it won't drop. I am a burden lifter. I am a yoke destroyer. I am here to help you through this season. But we have to call on him. We have to ask for him. We have to be willing to accept him to come alongside us because it's not you carrying the heavy weights, but Jesus, the person that was not willing to just cover our sins but to take away our sins. This is the importance of Passion Week. Think about it. Without Jesus, only one time a year, our sins could be forgiven. Imagine the weight. Imagine the worry. Imagine the anxiety, the baggage that all of us will have to deal with week after week day after day. And Jesus is saying during this Passion Week, I'm going into Jerusalem. I'm going to the cross. Why? Because I got you on my mind. Because I have you. I'm committed to you. I'm committed to your purpose. I'm committed to your destiny. And I'm willing to give you life and life more abundantly. So, point number four. You're not carrying God, but God is carrying you. See, all of us in here has to cross-examine everything that we're doing. And there's a few people that are trying to carry their career and you're panicking, and you're worried, and you're not sure what to do in this season. You're carrying your family, that you're worrying about your house, and you're worried about your family that are in Texas, that are in California, that are in Washington, and it's adding more pressure. And God is saying, give it to me. Let's be real. As a pastor, as all pastors across the world, all of us, over the course of three weeks, every pastor had a moment when they were worried about carrying a church. Is it going to work? What's going to happen? What about our members? What about our people? What about the momentum? All of the time, the hard work and the investments, and what are we going to do? When it gets back to normal, are they going to come back? 
Let's be real. Tithes and offering. Are we going to keep the lights on? We got business owners at our church that are doing great things, and everything is coming to a screeching halt. And God is saying, give it to me. Give it to me. Give it to me. I'll take care of it. Give it to me. I'll handle it for you. Give it to me. Trust me when you can't trace me. Give it to me. The secret things belong to the Lord. Give it to me. In our last scripture, 1 Peter chapter 5 and verse 7. Casting all of your cares, and we're reading from the Amplified Version because it just lays it out plain and simple. Casting all of your cares, all of your anxieties, all of your worries, all of your concerns, once and for all on him. For he cares about you with the deepest affection and watches over you very carefully. Jesus is here to partner and to participate with us as we do life. But we have to be willing to stick with him. Now, as we talked about Palm Sunday and being able to see the people on the left and the right, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna. Lord, we give you praise. We give you honor. We give you glory. We need you, Lord. Unfortunately, the celebration did not last long. The Passion Week began with the celebration with Jesus coming in on a donkey. And as each day passed by, the people began to understand that Jesus wasn't coming here to overthrow the Romans and to change politics, to change culture, but Jesus came to work on us from the inside out. And as that revelation began to show up in the individual's lives that came to celebrate and to see what Jesus was doing, the same people that gave him praise are the same people that said crucify him. Now, we look at this and say, oh, well, that was the crowd. They weren't really followers of Jesus Christ. But as we know, as Jesus left from the parade and going into Jerusalem and on his way to the cross, the disciples were confused. They did not understand what Jesus was doing. They were not accepting of him going to the cross. When Jesus was being led into Golgotha to go die for our sins, all of the disciples were gone. We hear about Peter. He was close until the 
the funk hit the fan and his faith was tested with fire. Peter started cussing folks out, start tripping on everybody and said, you know what? I don't even know him. And while all of the people have forsaked the Savior, the Lamb of God that came to take away the sins of the world, Jesus maintained focus. So as we've been talking for nine weeks about 2020 focus, there's so many things that we can apply. Just like Jesus, on the way to our destiny, on the way to fulfilling our purpose, we may have to do it alone. Your supporters may turn into haters, and your friends may turn into frenemies, and your family may not be anywhere in sight when all actuality you needed them the most. My prayer this week is to not get so caught up of your situation, but for you to be challenged to maintain 2020 focus. For you to learn how to trust God. For you to allow the circumstances to build your faith muscles, for you to push past your own feelings, to be led by the Spirit of God, to encourage others, to invest in others, and to serve one another. Let's be hope dealers during this season. Let's give out a prescription of Christ as we make our way through the cross. Wherever you are right now, there are many people here that are looking at their lives through the lens of their donkey. And you're trying to figure out, number one, I'm not sure if God really knows where I'm at right now. And I'm telling you, just like he knew where the donkey was at, he knows exactly where you are at. Number two, you have to stop focusing on your past and understand God will use your imperfections to be transformative and impactful to be able to help others. And then number three, while you're looking at your situation, and you're saying, I can't carry the burden of life right now. I want you to release it to Jesus and allow him to give you wisdom, guidance, and direction. And number four, understand and be comfortable with Jesus taking the wheel. This is not your season to drive the car and put Jesus in the back seat, or drive the car and put him in the passenger seat. But this is your season to move to the side and allow Jesus to take the wheel. 
bow your heads wherever you are. I would like to pray for you. I would like to pray for you that during this week that you'll be challenged to not to be the unfaithful people and to give God 2020 focus, 2020 praise, 2020 honor, and lift him up in advance because not only did he die for you, but he rose. So whatever thing is dead in your life, it can be resurrected in Christ. So dear Heavenly Father, we just come before you today. We thank you that as we make our petitions and our requests known to you, that you hear us. Father, we thank you that you are the Lamb of God that's taken away the sins of the world for somebody just like me and just like every person that hears my voice. Lord, I pray right now wherever they are, for those that would like to experience your transformation power. Lord, I pray that they repeat this prayer with me. Lord, I'm sorry for the mistakes I've done, that I am a sinner, and I'm asking you to come into my life to be my Savior. Father, I pray that you help me to be all that you have called me to be. And I thank you that on this Passion Week that I am able to receive your grace, that I am able to receive your mercy, and that I am able to go forward. And for those that have been following you for a long time and have forgotten their role and their purpose and has lost their perspective. I thank you, Lord, through their confessions and their commitment that you're willing to give them another try. So, Lord, I pray that you just bless our people. Lord, I pray that you keep our people safe from evil and there'll be no harm or danger upon their life. But, Lord, that we specifically this week accept the role of a donkey to do your work, to usher in your presence, and to usher in your kingdom. We, the people of Diverse City, want to recognize your greatness, your honor, and glory. And, Father, we just lift you up for the great and mighty things that you have done. Lord, I thank you for blessing this message. I thank you for the ears that are able to hear and understand what thus saith the Lord. For the hearts that are being transformed to be able to serve you. And for our mind that we are making the appropriate the decisions to lift your name up. So as we go forth in this week, we're not going to give up our praise. We're not going to give up our worship. But we continue to say, Hosanna, Hosanna, Hosanna in the highest. For you are amazing. For you are indescribable. For you see right where we are. And you know where we're going. And we trust you to navigate us, 
to ride us, to fulfill your purpose. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Diverse City family, it's been a pleasure to come into your home this week. I would love to see you Monday through Friday to be able to get your food and also to be able to join us on Wednesday for communion virtual style. Please continue to call, text, share your love and support. We're here to be a blessing to serve you and your family during this time. And together as one body, one unit, on the other side of this, the best is yet to come for your life. This is Pastor James signing off. Love you.